0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: This week on Buckets, Boards and Blocks, we are discussing James Harden, Kyrie Irving and COVID-19 and specifically the blockbuster 4 team trade um, that really was centered around James Harden moving from Houston to Brooklyn. That and more coming up on this edition of BBB Pod. But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three-in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three-and-D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. All right, people. Welcome to... Another edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I'm Monica McNutt. My co-host, King McClure, is dealing with some family matters, so please say your prayers, send him good vibes. Um, We're certainly thinking of him this week. But today, subbing in for King at, I don't know how tall y'all are, average man height with a great (laughs) coif of hair and a headband that I wish you could see, because I can see it, is one of the creators alongside our guy, Bruce Bernstein, of Pure Hoops Media himself, the one and only, he coasts. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong, Eric Newman. What's up, E?
2: That's an introduction. Uh I'm I'm 6'2 with regular high tops on. And uh the the zoom headband means I'm ready to go. So I'm uh, I'm fired up, glad to be on with you Overdue and of course with the OG Mr. Bruce Bernstein himself.
1: Bruce Bernstein himself is here. Bruce from Florida, how you feeling? How you living?
2: Uh, 70 degrees,
0: which puts me probably about 50 degrees ahead of E this morning or this afternoon.
1: Yeah, that's that's about right. It was actually a balmy. It, it reached 50 here in the D.C. area. Um, all right, Bruce, you know I love you, but we got to gas up E because this is the first time we could give him that kind of welcome onto our show. But here's the deal, folks. January 13th, Wednesday, it went down, not only in Congress, but in the NBA. The big blockbuster trade, it shakes out a little something like this. James Harden is going from Houston to Brooklyn. Houston will receive Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, How do I say this, Eric?
0: Rodion Skureks.
1: There you go. Him, Rodion Skureks. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks. Some of them are swaps. Some of them came from other teams. Um, The Cleveland Cavaliers in this deal will receive Jared Allen, Torian Prince, and they traded away a pick. And then Indiana, the Pacers get Karis Levert. They're sending Victor Oladipo with his expiring contract to Houston. Okay. Did I run it all down? Here's the question. This and, is-
2: and and Brooklyn receives James Harden.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think we led with that. But yeah. Oh, probably- oh, yeah. Hannah. Woo, y'all. I don't know where you were when this started to hit. But I was like, wait, what? It happened? They're doing it? I will say this before we get into this conversation, and we're going to make this a fiery Quick pod. Um, I personally am most excited for Indiana. And I know that's not an instant team that's going to contend for a championship right now. In theory, if James, KD, and if Kyrie decides he's not retiring, uh, returns, in theory, on paper, yes, they should be contending. But for me, in this next five year window, a team with some promise, I'm super excited for what Indiana has done. Karis Levert is on the rise and they've already got pieces in place. Malcolm Brogdon is one of my favorite point guards in the league. What you got, E? I am with
2: you with the Indiana excitement. Um, Big Karis Levert fan. Big fan of what the Pacers have done um, and love them going into the season um, as documented on all platforms. Newman, sarcasm. Um, So I think the Levert fit with Sabonis, Brogdon, when TJ Warren comes back and everything else they have going on there is great. It takes the pressure off of Brogdon to be Um, their 1A playmaker every night, and it ensures they don't lose Victor for nothing if he decided he didn't want to be in Indiana. It is interesting because, you know, he grew up there. He played for the Hoosiers. He found his way to the Pacers via um, Oklahoma City, Orlando, and then to Indiana. Excuse me, Orlando, Oklahoma City, then to Indiana. So that is interesting um, in its own right, but The Houston Rockets. I mean, they got Oladipo to put next to John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, who played well again last night, and we'll get to Boogie in a minute because some of his comments about Harden and his frustrations were out there today. But then as you ran down, we've seen this before. (laughs) They have got three Brooklyn first-rounders, a first-rounder from Cleveland, and four pick swaps. So if you're the Houston Rockets, you have done very well for yourself. And I know the sample size is small, but John Wall looks mighty good right now, as does Christian Wood. So that has me excited. And then obviously, as Bruce and I are both Celtic lifers, uh, the draft pick Hall going from Brooklyn, um, Bruce, raise your roof later. um, I think it's... um, I think it's, again, all or nothing for Brooklyn, and they're in a very, very dangerous situation right now because of, A, what's happening with Kyrie, and, B, um, I could probably be in James Harden shape in about two weeks. He's got a ways to go. So that's where I'm at.
1: Love that. Love that. All right, Bruce, what you got? A
0: couple weeks ago when we did our first episode of Dave's Front Office with Dave Wool, he had on the great Jerry West, and Jerry West said... Usually in a blockbuster trade like this, and he wasn't referring to Harden, he was just saying in a blockbuster trade, the team that gets the best player automatically wins the trade. I think for the most part, that is correct. However, as Stephen A might say, uh, I don't think that's the case in this trade. I think Brooklyn has made an unbelievable gamble here. Uh, And yes, they did get the quote unquote best player, although he's 31 years old. And as Eric pointed out, Uh, not always uh, a picture of, uh, you know, good athletic shape. However, he still can get you 30 by accident most nights if he has the ball enough. That said, Brooklyn's totally mortgaged their future. Think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. You know, I don't know that it's exactly going to work out like that, but that's what happened the last time Brooklyn did this. And I think Boston's pretty happy with that. But you're introducing a guy into a Mix now. James Harden, who has, you know, a lot of people feel like, you know, his attitude was terrible this year. He came into camp late. He was a distract, he was a distraction. He complained about the chemistry there and how it was awful. And it's like, dude, look in the mirror, because that most of the reason for that is going to be staring right back at you. So Brooklyn has really created a very volatile situation, potentially, unless these guys all are willing to say, unless James Harden's willing to say. I'm willing to score 22 instead of 34 because I know that'll help us win. Time will tell about that.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, so here's my one qualm to your enthusiasm, Biggie. I don't know, how does Vic and John work? I feel like Vic and John gives me shades of Brad and John and we struggled to see how that would work. I also will admit, I don't know Steven Silas' system. I had plenty of time to watch Scott Brooks and Randy Whitman Figure or not figured out. I actually think Whitman had a better handle on it than Brooks ever did. But I just, I'm especially because Vic doesn't necessarily shoot percentage-wise better than Brad, and you're gonna need some spacing. I know this Christian Wood guy. We're super excited about him, but I'm just, is Houston gonna work? Like, I- I'm not
2: gonna get up. I'm, I'm not gonna get up in uh, court spacing and perimeter analytics. But Oladipo looks like he's getting back to his old self. So you take that two way player athleticism and you put him on the floor with wall who is looking like his old self. And I I just think these are guys that love to play that want to play and that are going to help each other. I'm not going to get caught up with touches. Oladipo is your classic slashing wing. He's a streak shooter. Um, But I just I like the athleticism. I like the fact that they're going to look to push the basketball. And um, in Washington, we both know the issues were well beyond Wall and Beal together. So I'll leave that there. But the the guy that's lost in this, and obviously, you know, uh, we can poke fun at the fact that I'm a bit biased because I've you know I've worked with Boogie before, but I was rooting for him to come back. And he's in really good shape. He's looked good on the floor. But his comments today about Harden, and I don't know if you guys saw it, like here's one thing DeMarcus Cousins doesn't do. He doesn't talk to the media about other players in a negative fashion on his team. So this is telling that DeMarcus was comfortable enough and calculated enough to do this. And what I love about the situation he's in is He's got Christian Wood there. Like he can continue to go step by step. And what I'm looking forward to is seeing those guys play together. What I do know about Silas, and then I'll pass it back to you is he has a lot of respect from people around the league. So whether it's current players, former players um, on, uh, on uh, all the smoke, which I run, which you guys know, we had a uh, coach Bickerstaff and coach Fisdale back in the fall. The, focus of the conversation was black coaches in the league. And then we landed on Silas and these guys are so excited that he has the opportunity. They know his dad. And supposedly this guy's just a grinder. So I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, how he makes it work over there.
1: Yeah. I do know that there has been lots of praise for what he helped do with Dallas's offense as an assistant. So. Which
2: was last, which was last season. Like people need to know like Dallas's offense last season was unbelievable. And let's be honest, that roster's not unbelievable. They've got, they've got one superstar. They've got one superstar. Porzingis played well but was in and out of the lineup. But the way they maxed out those other guys in Dallas, let's credit Silas along with Carlisle there for sure.
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, all right, so we're going to see. I, I would like to believe that ballers just want a ball, right? Give me a system, give me a ball, give me some guys that are going to play hard on both sides of the floor, and let's do it. But we don't seem to be giving the same grace to Brooklyn, y'all. Like, okay, wait, we need to run this whole thing back, just in case. In case you fell off the basketball planet somehow. Kyrie Irving is still MIA. Last night, video surfaced of him on a Zoom call with a candidate for a Manhattan DA discussing civil um, service issues and injustices, which we applaud, but there was also a game being played. Um, and... Yeah.
2: A game that he was supposed to be paid $400,000 to play in, by the way. That's, that's, that's my big issue.
1: Ooh, I can only imagine. Ooh, yes. I'm I
0: have a I have a solution for I have a solution for your problem, Eric, by the way, with, with that <laughs> issue. But Monica, I digress. Tee me up for that one. I'll tell you what I think.
1: Okay, cool. So he and so in addition to the Zoom call, there's also footage of him at a birthday party, presumed to be believed for his sister. There's no masks, there's lots of people. We are in an era of intense COVID protocols. So he seems to have disregard for all that's going on. Um, today, Stephen A. Smith guys suggested that he may need to retire, which, you know, got to of Possibility because his point was, he seems not to be able to do two, two things at once, which is kind of a sign of immaturity in my mind. But anyway, Bruce, we're not giving Brooklyn the benefit of a doubt in terms of these guys are supremely talented. They just want to play basketball and have a chance to win. Or are we, um, let's.
0: Yeah, I'm always of the mindset that you should give things a chance, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you don't look at past history, you're, you know, really not allowing yourself context for these things. Let me get back to Kyrie and his little self-imposed timeout for a minute, okay? okay. And you and I talked about this a little bit on Mike Wise's show uh, over the weekend. Basketball is not a individual sport. It isn't golf, it isn't tennis. You you sit out in those sports you lose the paycheck, you lose the money. Kyrie owed it to his teammates before he decided that you know, he couldn't handle the mental strain. He, he owed it to his teammates to have a discussion about this and let them decide this as a team. And he, as a good teammate and quote unquote, one of the leaders of the team, right? That's what he thinks he is, should say, okay, let's decide this as a group. Now, because he chose not to do that, I'm giving Kyrie an opportunity to redeem himself for this provided he kind of makes amends and moves forward. Eric, you said he was getting 400K per game, right? That's what his basic game check is. So Mm -hmm. he's going to miss somewhere between four and five games, let's say, right? Of his own. Let's take that $2 million, Kyrie, and put your money where your mouth is and donate that to some food banks, to some charities. If you're so socially concerned about this that you're not going to show up for work, then put that money to work for people who really need it. And then I will be impressed with you. Let's well, see if that happens.
1: I'm not, yep. I'm not necessarily oh, in defeat, defend Camp Kyrie, but I do know he's on record having done that. Uh, there was a couple of food banks in New York and then he donated 1.5 million to the WNBA this year for the uh, players that opted to sit out this past season. So I do think there's a, some of that there. Please. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know,
2: I always wonder and I'm not saying this is Kyrie, but I always wonder what motivates guys to make these donations. Is it the press release, the tweet, and the shine that goes with it? Or is it because they must do the right thing? Boogie Cousins, for instance, paid for Stefan Clark's funeral, who was murdered by police in Sacramento a few years ago. Wanted no coverage for it, didn't get any. Kevin Garnett established countless Educational computer labs in Minnesota, never wanted any credit during his career. So it does make me wonder sometimes, you doing this for the right reasons? Or are you doing it now because everybody else is doing it? At the end of the day, I'm in lower Manhattan. Brooklyn's right out the window. And there are thousands of people struggling, starving, and who need help. So he's got plenty of people he can help right here in New York. I hope he does that. Um, And I hope he starts to act like a professional. If he needs time off because of things going on in his life, then that's understandable. But this started off as unprofessional when he didn't have enough respect or common sense to let Hall of Famer and his head coach, Steve Nash, know he'd be missing the first game that night. And that, that, that goes back to my issues with professionalism and then... I take, um, as I know both of you do, I take mental health very, very seriously. I take being conscious and aware of that very, very seriously. I'm not saying Kyrie definitely has a problem, but let's look at past behavior, inconsistencies, not talking to teammates or staff for weeks and weeks on end, both in Cleveland and in Boston. And here we sit.
1: Yeah,
0: I wonder um, what KD thinks of this whole situation right now. Here's KD like the 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 wise old always for the most part has done the right things for the right reasons. Looking at knucklehead number 1 and knucklehead number 2 thinking, "Okay, if I can win with these two guys, maybe I'm the
2: greatest of all time." <laughs> and you know, KD to his point, I mean, he him and Kyrie have a terrific relationship and KD really likes him and you know you if you whether you're Kyrie Irving or you're Joe Harris or you're I'm forgetting the last man's name on the bench of the Nets you get to play with a Kevin Durant like that's a great opportunity and the fact that KD is back and you have Steve Nash leading you you have Amari Stoudemire on your coaching staff you've got some of this other talent um Worked out for Dinwiddie getting hurt, he doesn't get traded, so you have to think he'll be back next year. Um, you, you gotta want to make this work. If you don't wanna make this work, then I, I don't know what to say to you, but for three, super, well, for three stars, one of which is a superstar, I cannot call Kyrie Irving or James Harden a superstar um, because they don't play the other end of the court, um, but for three stars like this to be on the same team and have this opportunity, Um, That doesn't happen too often. So um, if Kyrie's out for a long time, I actually think Harden getting comfortable with Durant happens quicker. If Kyrie is back soonish, then this is going to be very interesting because we both know how much they like to have the basketball in their hands. Now, Harden is also a tremendous three-point shooter. um, And we know the ISO game and we know the pick and roll game. So we will see
1: does this put pressure on Kyrie to get his act together
2: I think it well Bruce chime in right after this I I I think it um I think it brightens this uh, it brightens the spotlight and it turns up the heat
0: hmm. If you're Kyrie Irving why do you need this to light a fire underneath you I don't I don't get it at all I really think that Brooklyn I mean I don't know they might need to win two championships to make this thing work worth it. And I'm not sure. I mean, look with injuries, this team going into the season, one of the things that I thought made Brooklyn so dangerous as a team is that they were too deep. And in some cases, three deep at every single position. So now the guys, the, 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 the lunch bucket guy, like Jared Allen best hair in the league. Oh, by the way, but Jared Allen that's a big loss for those guys. You know, you still have Deandre Jordan, but you know, he's on the downside of his career at this point. I mean, he's well past the age of 30. Jared Allen is one of those guys that you just, you know, rim protector, rebounder, takes alley oop passes from guys like Kyrie Irving gives him easy dimes and and dunks. Um, Kurick's, granted, was you know probably about the eleventh man on that team, but I'd seen him have some pretty good games along the way. Torian Prince, useful player, gone. Karis LeVert, the leader of their second team, gone. Okay, yep. this team went from being the deepest team in the league to perhaps one of the least deep teams in the league with this
2: move. So it really better work. And uh, a decade full of draft picks and swaps. So. It's right here, right now, and the, and the other thing that's so interesting about this is we are. You, you thought last season was bizarre. We're we're on our way to the most bizarre season in league history with what we're dealing with now, and games being postponed, and guys missing time, and I mean, what what came out yesterday? Let's not forget um, the league considering a two week stoppage. Um, so. What that does, I'm not sure. I, I happen to think it may help reset everything with COVID and protocols, and get the PA and the league back on the same page with some things, and um, tighten this up a little bit, and help with contact tracing. But this is—I mean, this is wild right now. i i am i am in one of those days where I was in multitask, like content creator, producer, director, lead call, be on call, and then this trade thing happens, and I'm just like. You got to be kidding me. And, you know, all joking aside, like the Celtics have games postponed all week. So I'm like, all right, what am I what am I watching tonight? And and now it's it's really thinking about this this deal and the balance of power in the league. And, you know, for for a team like, um, you know, not that this should be at the heart of this, but for a team like Cleveland. To now get into this and acquire Jared Allen, so there's going to be another domino there because you can't have Jared Allen, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, and Larry Nance Jr. all on the same roster at the same time. No, and and speaking of the Knicks, like, the Knicks are off to a great start and all comedy aside, right? Like, the Nets, since the 13-14 season when Pierce and Garnett, went to Brooklyn and the Knicks crashed and burned with Mello after the good season in the playoffs with him. The Nets have had all this time to win over the hearts and minds of all the fans on the fence in New York. And they still haven't done it. And they now do this and the Knicks are on the way back up and the Knicks are slowly building it the right way. I'm not saying the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs this year but they are finally coming back in and the nets may have missed the whole opportunity to bring all these fans permanently to Brooklyn instead of just bringing them over in a fair weather fashion, which I believe has been the case the last few years.
0: Monica, I have a question for you. Okay. You have been a big time college player. You know all about what it's like in locker rooms as far as, you know, locker room politics and kind of little clicks here. Not that you were ever in one. You were a leader, of course, but you know how it goes. Some of those other people, you know. Mm-hmm. What does this do? I mean, this puts Steve Nash, I think, in a very difficult position as a rookie coach in that He is sitting there. He's already shown that the whole Kyrie thing can get a little bit beyond his control, which I think it did, not necessarily through any fault of his own, but it happened, right? He's still, he he even as much as admitted, I don't really know what's going on there. Now you bring in James Harden and already sitting next to you on the bench is James's favorite coach ever, Mike D'Antoni, who he had unbelievable individual success and some team success with in Houston. If this thing doesn't get off to a roaring start, is is are people going to start thinking, well, we got a veteran coach here. Or we got this rookie coach here who might be in over his head. Could Nash be put immediately into the frying pan here? What do you think?
1: I think that's a great question, Bruce. Um, so I read, before the, this, today's news, I couldn't understand I mean, granted, you gotta give Kyrie room to be who he is, but I really didn't understand what people thought would be so maniacal and lead to this debacle in, Brooke, in Brooklyn. Because I think back to those teams led by, what's my guy that got out, outed as soon as Kyrie and Kevin Durant got there, the head coach. a uh,
0: Kenny, Kenny Atkinson?
1: Yeah, Kenny Atkinson. I, a lot of that roster, not all of it, but there were enough role-playing character guys that had just strapped up their sneakers and worked, right? And so you had these background guys to KD, who just wants the ball. And so Kyrie was the biggest wild card. Now uh, with so much being leveraged to bring in James Harden, it's the same kind of conversation we had to me about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. You kind of become results or bust. And whether that's Steve Nash's fault or not, they literally gave up the king's ransom to make this happen and so i definitely think that puts a lot of pressure on steve nash now i don't know when he got the job there was a crowd that was disappointed because he didn't necessarily take the traditional route to get the job so i don't know how much cachet he has within that organization and they understand we gave you these volatile personalities and it's your first year Uh, but at the end of the day it's a results-driven industry more than anything I know we talked about this um, in L.A. potentially when you got a D'Antoni versus a Nash or w- when, it, when Kidd was on the bench behind Vogel or whatever the case may be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does he personally have to worry about his spot and that his replacement might be right next to him? I think that's a different dynamic. Um, but to me, if the, the big three, so to speak, can navigate it, I still think that there are enough background folks on that roster that they can just lock in and play ball. Now, the William Hill just went across the screen, and so the Nets are now plus 120 uh, or plus 200, I'm sorry, and the Bucks are plus 300 to win it all. Uh, and nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they gave up a lot, and, it's, and James Harden is 31 and out of shape.
2: I'll take the Celtics over both teams right now to win it.
1: I, and I don't, and I don't think
2: that's a far-fetched. Like, not not with how they've played without Kemba Walker, and just quickly on that Cleveland big man thing. Celtics have a twenty-eight million dollar trade exception to use between now and November. Ke- I mean, I'll, I'll welcome Kevin. I'll welcome Kev, I'll welcome Kevin Love with open arms for a championship run for that exception. Wow.
1: Okay, Kevin Love is. I Jared Allen's a good uh, idea too. No, like, I think
2: Cleveland. I think Cleveland holds on to Jared Allen and and keeps him with these young guards and builds around him.
1: But, would you take Drummond?
0: No, no doesn't, doesn't fit. fit. <laughs> Boston could have signed him if they wanted him. They never. No, it doesn't didn't doesn't seem fit. To have much interest in him.
2: No, they were smart with the Tristan move. But just back to what you were saying, like, um, I hope this doesn't put Steve Nash in any sort of compromised position or short leash, nor do I think it will. I think he's got too much respect and there's too much, there's too much of the long game from the coaching standpoint, I think planned out over there. Yeah. The windows now with KD Kyrie, and of course the addition of Harden. But um, I I, listen, D'Antoni is very good at coaching one style of basketball with certain players with certain skill sets. Most of that has nothing to do with what goes on on the defensive side of the floor. So uh, I have a lot of respect for what he did with the Suns. Um, Knicks is a different conversation. And, uh, you know, what he did in Houston was 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 really good. But at the end of the day, it was never good enough. So, um, I, you know, and, I, I, and let's also remember... Steve Nash, one of the reasons he's in Brooklyn is because Kevin Durant and that relationship goes back a bit. And Nash was working with Durant literally every practice day in Golden State and Curry. So I don't think he's going anywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we wrap this thing up this week, NBA readdressed its protocols. Readdressed feels like an appropriate word. George Hill kind of made some ripples in his comments and response basically Santa the league can't tell me what to do. If I wanna go see family or friends, that's what I'm gonna do. If it's gotta be that serious, then maybe we should not be playing. Um, I think numbers aside, paychecks aside, we all are sacrificing. We all are uncomfortable. The big picture for the league is they need to get the season in uh, and before it ultimately starts rippling down to players' personal paychecks. While I appreciate what George Hill had to say If you feel that strongly, then maybe you don't need to be playing. I think these guys got to be mindful of speaking for the entire group because there's a range in salary and who can afford to actually miss these games and who needs to go see nobody but the people that live in their home with their nuclear family and come to the gym. And that's just what it is. Um, But what do you guys think as we watch this thing unfold? The NBA is obviously not like the NFL. Uh, There's a lot less people. It's indoors a whole bit. Um, I I think a stoppage is inevitable, but I don't think that that's a bad thing. What do you think, Bruce?
0: Well, they're trying to tighten up the protocols to sort of limit the amount of, you know, close contact, like the dapping at the free throw line, the post-game hugs. Some would call this the Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum rule. Uh, But I, of course, would not do that. It's much bigger than that. Uh, Look, safety comes first. And I'm not one of these people that, you know, uh, there was a time I thought, you know, gee, You know, it's important, you know, for the morale of the country and all of us basketball fans to have games like, you know what? I'm off of that now. These guys are human beings and they need to be you need to understand that, like their health is everything. Their their families are more important than me. So I would say if they can't figure out a way to do this, where people are going to be, you know, have enough uh, rules in place to, to to keep them safe before all the vaccinations become sort of you know routine for everybody then I'm in favor of them doing whatever they need to, to keep these players safe and their families safe and healthy.
2: I am on the fence. There's so many feelings here. I don't agree with everything George Hill said. It's a job. Like, so you want to get paid, you got to do your job. Everybody's sacrificing. Um, The league is trying to protect its players, the players' families, its employees, their families, the officials, their families. Uh, We're, we're, you know, this is the most overused word in uh, recent history, uh, directly tying back to what we're seeing as a country. But this is beyond unprecedented right now. Like they've got a just like in a calculated, planned out manner, they made the bubble work. Well, here's the next challenge. How do they make this work and how do they keep everybody safe, happy and earning a living? If George Hill doesn't want to play anymore, then uh, George Hill needs to take a leave of absence and whatever the uh, players union, the league figure out around that and guys getting paid. And that's what they figure out. But um, I have a bigger hang up on uh, Kyrie Irving getting paid four hundred thousand dollars for every game he's now playing because of a mysterious leave of absence rather than George Hill, but it's important to discuss.
1: <laughs> I don't blame you for the hang-up, E. That is a disconcerting hang-up for sure. Um, well, E, thanks for joining us.
2: This was great. This was great. It's great seeing you guys, especially being so damn isolated. And I don't mean a James Harden isolation. I mean being isolated.
1: Ugh. How are things up there?
2: Uh, it's challenging, you know. And, you know, I have to. I, I saw you posted something on IG before, like you're leaving the house today. <laughs> and I have to remind myself every day. I did a, uh, ho- hopefully, this inspires somebody listening. Like, I have a rooftop at my apartment. I mean, it's not the most spectacular thing in the world, but it gets good afternoon sun. Yesterday, I was up there, double layered hoodie, skull cap, jump rope. Uh, music in my ears, and I just got the old school movements in with the jump rope and the jumping jacks and the body squats, and I felt great and I slept great, and that's got to be it for now. And I'm trying to get to warm weather soon for the rest of the winter, um, and I can get my my old man game back out on a uh, outdoor court. But it's 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 challenging, it's challenging. But having ball, having what we're doing, having my my, my, my showtime job and duties every day and the film I'm making, like, it just keeps me going. So my whole thing every day is just win the day.
1: That was dope.
0: It is time for King McClure's favorite segment. We miss you, King. Come back soon, we hope. And the one that you all have been waiting for, it's Who's Trippin'? If you saw the post-game celebration after Alabama defeated Ohio State on Monday, you saw thousands of people in the streets of Tuscaloosa packed together, many without masks. You'd think that as often as Bama has won the national championship, their fans might act like, they've, you know, been there before, but apparently it was a little bit too much to ask for them to take a minute, step back, watch it on TV, and avoid creating a super spreader event that might lead many to get sick, get their family members sick, and possibly lead to deaths. I have a friend who used to work with me at ESPN that became a respiratory therapist in, of all places, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is flat out disrespectful to the doctors, nurses, and medical personnel like my buddy, Peter Rimac, that will have to deal with that. So for you Crimson Tide fans who are on the streets of Tuscaloosa on Monday night, you are tripping,
1: guys. Big time tripping. And I know to your point in our convo today, Bruce, we were sports should be back for morale, which I've never really been on board with. But if that's what it produces, then no, maybe they shouldn't be back. That was ridiculous. Eric.
2: First of all, Bruce, I, I love when you uh, turn the knob to your broadcaster voice. It really uh, <laughs> <laughs> takes in me three, back.
0: Two, takes, me, takes
2: me back to uh, takes me back to Anchorman or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got. I mean, we got to keep we got to keep fans off the field. I mean, this happened during the season uh, with the Clemson uh, was it Clemson Notre Dame game, like. Like fans got to be off the field, period. I mean, it's 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 similar in concept to you know keeping white supremacists off the Capitol building. It's, it's a oh, very simple concept. It's a very simple concept. So, uh, Monica, we should do a separate episode on that because um, we just should. Um, yeah. So stay off the field, and uh, while we're in COVID, um, stop going to games, even if your state legalizes it, because it's stupid. It's short sighted. And you're being selfish and you're going to get somebody else sick who will ultimately die because of your short-sighted decision-making.
1: Yeah. How's, I, it, how's that? How's I, that? Is that good? Nailed it. Nailed That's it. That's good. Like, I don't think we should all necessarily dwell on the news, but you really should watch some of these reports coming from hospitals and front lines and the toll that it's even taking on reporters now. So, anyway. Peter Rimac, you're
0: one of my heroes.
1: Time to wrap up. Thanks to my producer and co-host Bruce Bernstein and our superstar editor Tom Phillip and our tremendous guest Eric Newman who came through today. Please be sure to check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. This week Mike Wise was out sick so Bruce and I took over the Mike Wise show and had a great discussion about the DC riots from last week and the intersection of sports and social justice. Full court with Fisher and Kay has Big Ten reporter Alex Rue Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron has TJ Messiahs, who covers the NBA as the national writer for the McClatchy newspaper chain. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman, our guests today, have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And I'm back with King next Thursday with more buckets, boards, and blocks. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing.
0: COVID-19 is no joke. Please do all you can to protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, keeping your distance from others, and being considerate of those around you. Keep the nurses, doctors, and hospital personnel in your prayers. They're superheroes. They need our support. Shout out Peter Rymack, saving lives in Tuscaloosa. We're less than a week away from our new administration folks. They're going to be taking office soon. So please keep working to make our society more inclusive. Until next week, Monica, say
1: it enjoy safely safely enjoy your hoops buckets boards and blocks with monica mcnutt and king mcclure is a presentation of pure hoops media